on air, online, and squeezed into your smartphone. So when you are FM 103.7, Wednesday is a pet chat day, and always good to catch up with this bloke who I haven't actually seen for, I don't think I've seen you, uh, Dr. David Tabbert, since probably early July or something. How have you been, sir? Well, I've been looking at your photograph all every day, Mark. I've got to get a fix of my Mark Rourke. There's one thing that didn't happen. Mate, I'm, I'm <laughs> not sure about you. I think I'm going through the evolution of Beatles hairstyles. If you've got an old photo, I've probably got the 63, 64. I'm pretty much at the Let It Be stage now. So I, I was thinking possibly Oasis, like the Gallagher yeah. brothers. <laughs> Fair you point. Know. Now, uh, over the, the time at the moment, um, it's been a bit of a, a tough time for all businesses, but uh, how busy have the veterinarian community generally been and have you been able to navigate some of the challenges of everybody wanting to bring their pets in uh, to, to, be, to be treated and so forth? Well, the interesting thing I, I find with all of this is that this is actually a worldwide Phenomenon. So I'm in contact with vets in the US, in the UK, in Europe, and we're all seeing, every single clinic is seeing increased numbers of clients and pets. So even though there, there probably has been a small uptick in the number of pets, but what's probably more significant is people are spending time at home with their pets and noticing things. And, you know, we're not going on holidays, so obviously more time with your pets. Maybe you exercise them more. Or maybe you just notice uh, things earlier. You pick up that they're sick. So we have seen probably around about a 30 to 40% increase in visit numbers. That's kind of a... It's not so much a bad thing, is it? I mean, it's it's tough for you guys to have to navigate to try and squeeze everybody in. But that's really a good news story that people have been able to spend that time with their pets and tick, get that off the list. But firstly, but secondly, um, the more you can notice things, the more you can get in, get things treated earlier, and hopefully not have these problems become uh, harder to manage. Yeah, absolutely correct. I mean, if we can see problems earlier, then we're going to be able to be more effective with our treatments. Although I did remember one little dog that I saw that had a very sore back. And when I questioned the owner, they said, well, we walked him this morning. And the the wife said, you walked him? I walked him at lunchtime. And then the daughter said, well, I walked him this afternoon. Uh, And the poor little fellow was just worn out from getting walked too often. Uh So there are swings and roundabouts. um, But you also couple that increase with the number of visits with the fact that you know, due to COVID protocols and so on, we've had to slow down how fast we can work through our patients. So maybe in a general vet clinic, a GP vet, they might see uh, an individual vet might be able to work on 20 patients a day. Well, now they're only doing, you know, 12 to 15 patients. So there's a there's this built-up demand that's occurring you know, where we've got, you know, maybe 30 patients a week per vet in each hospital that aren't going to be seen to that week. And so elective procedures are having to be delayed. Um, They're not being put off altogether. It just means you may not get in this week. Maybe you'll get in in the week after. And um, we just want people to probably have a little bit of patience with some of those things because... We want you to be safe and we want the pets to be safe. David, do you see that there will be um, some challenges for uh, for vets and animal hospitals to navigate as the things start to reopen a little bit? We'll probably see some reopening next week and all the line through to December. Um, Will that make things easier or will that make things harder? Well, I think harder 
to be honest, because there is still a lot of uncertainty about exactly how we navigate that. Um, if we do have uh, close contact exposures, then we um, still are, you know, having to face the, the prospects of shutting down our business for a deep clean. It looks like the timelines on that are changing a little bit, so they're being shortened down, but still... You know, in my business, if we shut down for 48 hours, that is very significant. Um, and, and, and not yeah. only from the business point of view, but once you get back, you're already talking about the pent-up demand. You've then got that immediate demand of the people that you would have seen over the next couple of days. So it'll be interesting yes. and challenging times for everybody and uh, your slice of uh, the economic pie, no different to that. Um, there have been uh, uh, another section of the, the dog community that have been trained to detect uh, COVID-19. So we can pretty much get them to tell and uh, pick up anything these days, can't we? I reckon this is fantastic stuff. And look, I did a bit of reading into this and I didn't realise the extent of how they train these dogs and then what they're actually doing because this stems from a lot of research that's been done where dogs have been successful in detecting uh, cancer in people based on some of the odours that we give off because our body is expressing different proteins and it's often done through urine samples and so on. Um, dogs can actually detect at parts per trillion and they're now training dogs to detect parts per trillion of uh, proteins from people who have uh, been infected with COVID or have an infection with COVID. And I thought, well, that's, wouldn't we just do a blood test? Like, why would you do that? And I was reading further, and what they're looking at is saying having these dogs, like, at stadiums uh, when you've got large crowds gathering so that you don't have to have something that's slowing people down. We're not getting people to do rapid antigen testing. We can actually use these dogs to move through the crowd, and they can detect people, and they go, hang on, maybe there's something here. Um, we might have detected a possible covid um, infected person and this could change some of these ideas around the opening up and um, you know the idea of large crowds things like that that would be um, I, the, I can only can I be the fly in the ointment person on this Please, they need someone, yeah. <laughs> okay. Tell um, me. It, look, in, in essence, it all sounds good. And you can imagine if we could actually talk to dogs, how they, they perceive the world, obviously with, with their heightened sense of smell, so differently to how we do. So that would be an interesting chat if in, in, in a paradoxical world we could. But there's so much fear in, in some people still around this particular virus. Can you imagine if we're at, say, the cricket ground, full for a, a test or something, and the dog goes and sniffs around somebody in one section, and then that person is um, identified. Can yeah. you imagine? I can just see a whole lot of people wanting to just sort of get the hell out of that part of the stadium very quickly. So <laughs> how they manage it at that point, yeah. I don't know. Maybe people coming in, that might be the way to do it, if that's I, the way they yeah, want. Yeah, I think that's right, I think, on entry. But, um, look, it's still early days. This is research that's currently happening um, over in Maryland and uh, Pennsylvania with... Um, uh, dogs um, originally were developed, uh, their training was developed uh, by the uh, US Armed Forces. So it stems from their initial projects were all around, you know, detection of explosive devices. And, you know, most of us would be familiar. You, you might remember airports, Mark. Um, we used to go to those and then fly enough. away. <laughs> yeah, and the beagles that come around and so on and the, the sniffer dogs. So they're all trained in the same way. Um, and in this case, what they're doing is they're detecting the uh, volatile aromas from the proteins 
uh, associated with various products. In this case, it's associated with COVID infection. All right, it's a brave new world. And uh, if we could only get those dogs to sniff out the upcoming lotto numbers this week, David, if we could get that, we'd be on track, I think. Uh, I've got an octopus that'll tell you the numbers, Mark. You just have to pay me a bit of money for it. <laughs> All right, you can have 10%. Uh, always <laughs> always a pleasure catching up with Dr. David Tabbert for a little pet chat today. Mate, uh, I'll look forward to, at some point down the road, seeing you again. But in, in the meanwhile, we'll look forward to hearing you, hearing you over the next couple of weeks as well. No worries. Thanks, Mark.